Welcome to From Caving In to Crushing It, the podcast for those who find themselves immersed in adversity and choose to write their story instead of having others write it for them. I'm Drew Duraney, and I'm your host. Rob, how are you, bud? Thanks for coming on. Hey, Drew. Good, good to see you, as always. Good to see you, too. I'm really looking forward to this, man. You are uh, one of my favorite people around, and uh, whenever I'm around you, man, I, I learn something. So high expectations today, my friend. No, no pressure, right? No pressure at all. Absolutely not. So I love what you're doing now, and uh, you have some amazing things going on, and we know that. And I know life is not linear, and I know it's, you've taken some twists and turns in your life. I just want to start right there. Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, young Rob and growing up and, and how you got to be where you are and what challenges you've overcome. Yeah, you know, so my my mother often reminds me, she's like, I have no idea, like, basically why you are the way you are in, in a good way, right? Because yeah, she's right. like, you certainly didn't get it from me. You didn't get it from your father. So if, if I go back to young Rob, right? So we grew up in a very, very um, out in the middle of nowhere uh, environment. So surrounded by uh, cornfields and cows on three sides. My grandfather was a farmer and then turned postal worker, uh, postmaster to be more specific, but he always kept a very large property. And so we grew up living in a mobile home right next door to my grandparents. Didn't really understand the, the, the full value of that until I got older, but what a blessing it was looking back. Right. And yes. So and at the time it was like, you know, the phone would ring and, you know, it's my grandfather or he just come knocking on the door, basically looking for labor. <laughs> right. Because he maintained, we, we were living on about two acres of land and probably a quarter of that was, was gardens. Uh-huh. So you name it, we kind of grew it. And my favorite story of that growing up was we grew our own popcorn. No kidding. And uh, so we grow it. And then at the end of the season, when the stalk dries, just like you would see um, in a rural area for mm. regular farms. So we go, we'd pull it, we'd uh, bundle it, dry it in the basement because we'd hang it along the uh, heat ducts in the basement of the house. Oh, wow. And then in a um, midwinter and a little breezy day, we'd go out, we basically would you know, uh, shock the corn. Right. And you know, that stuff that gets caught in your teeth, what you're doing is you're pouring that back and forth and you're allowing the wind to get rid of that stuff. Okay. We'd, uh, we'd put it in a bucket and the best times were when my grandfather would, uh, you know, on the stovetop, he'd cook up that popcorn and uh, we'd have that with, uh, with root beer. And, and that was just an, an amazing time, right? So um, great stories, great memories of that growing up. And I think that that really um, did a couple of things for me. It made me appreciate a simple life and it instilled a, a work ethic in me. And I think that I owe a lot to those two things at that time for young Rob. Wow. So, so tell me about the work ethic uh, you mentioned. Uh, what, what, what's, what's the, like the main thing that you learned that you carried through life, you think? You know, so I'm not the smartest guy, <laughs> but, um, but what I will do is I will, I will outwork you. Now, that's not everybody. Gotcha. But I, would t- I would say that's more than a lot of people. Um, so uh, street smarts, uh, common sense, 
and, right. a, and a decent work ethic that if I um, if if I can just go 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 all day long, not like any other human, you know. Look, if I sit down and I stop, especially as uh, as I hit uh, you know the uh, my my older years, like I'm I'm probably done, right? right or right. It, it's, I've learned it's okay to take a little twenty minute cat nap at the end of the day, and that you know the the world of social media today, where hustle grind hustle. Look at my opinion is like you can hustle and grind. But if you don't take care of the vessel, yeah, what good are you going to do to be a blessing to others? Because the vessel mm-hmm. feeds this. Absolutely. This is what feeds those we're here to serve. Right. No, very, very true. My, and, uh, my opinion. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, you know, you're pointing to your head. That absolutely. Uh, everything feeds everything. And, um, you know, I'm wondering how growing up, what, what was your relationship like with it, with your parents? You had a solid relationship. Yeah. So that's, um, you know, sadly, um, you know, my parents got divorced when I was 13. Um, I, you know, looking back, it's like, how do you have an expectation of your parents if your parents were raised a certain way and Mm -hmm. what did they get from their parents? Right. Right. So at 13 and I had a younger brother, four years younger than me, um, mom had, uh, met somebody else. My dad at that time, just his priorities weren't, he wasn't a bad man. Mm-hmm. He just made choices and decisions that weren't really in alignment with the things that my mom wanted at the time. And so, right. um, the, the downside of life at that time was that, um, mom needed somebody to confide in. And sometimes that was me. And so from how she, how and what she confided in me, mm-hmm. um, caused me to build a wall up with my dad. Interesting. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, I didn't hate the man, but I didn't respect a lot of the things, you know, he did and the choices he made and, um, things of that nature. But what I, what I look at now going back to that time frame, my dad was never equipped, right? right. He was never equipped to handle any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. He, he acted and behaved how his dad acted and behaved. Right. Right. We grew up in an era where it was okay to like drink and drive and like, you know, weekends or whatever was like, let's go to the Elks club and let's have the social drink with our friends. And so that's just, that was the normal right. life. Right. Right. I mean, you think nobody would even think about doing that today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I um, mean, you, you talk about it at a young age. We, we basically learned from other people what our beliefs are. And, right. you know, you just gave a perfect example of that. Um, so, you know, with that relationship with with dad, um, did you turn to other other men to, as role, mo- role models and mentors? Because I know that's really important for for boys and, and men as we go to have a male role model or mentor. I, I would say it wasn't, you know, so my grandfather played, you know, probably I didn't seek him or at least I didn't know about that. I was mm-hmm. seeking him at the time. Yeah. Um, but he having him there and living on the same property mm-hmm. uh, definitely helped, I think, with that. You know, so like I, I was always there. I was always by his side, except sometimes in the middle of a hot summer when he came looking for, for work. Well, you know? of course, he like, knew where to go after that. Yeah. Yeah, you, you disappear, right? Like, how, where can I go and hide and stay away from, uh, from that? Because you're you're picking berries with a long sleeve shirt on, and it's eighty some degrees out. But but outside of that, I leaned to him, and then I think I really um, looked at other male friends, right? And um, 
I think at that time I was really the, like the tag along. I was, I was mm -hmm. the, you know, the kid who was hanging out with the cool guys, but really didn't fit in with right. the cool guys mm -hmm. uh, and could never understand the, why did the girls at that time love the, the guy who was not going to treat them well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, when I knew I would treat them much better than my friends did because my friends were only interested in one thing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, that is an interesting thought is, uh, you know, uh, you would think that people would be more aligned with people who are going to treat them well. It does happen at that age where there's some kind of an attraction that way. So sure. so you mentioned about being with those popular guys. What did you do after when you did you ever realize that you needed to seek something different, attract different different uh, people to spend time with? You know, so as, as far back as I can remember in my my younger years, I had this. um uh i was like the the uh the, the fairy tale guy right mm -hmm. like the one who wanted to like write the girls the long love letters and okay. uh, uh the thespian you know the guy who was in the musicals and like that was the best place to meet girls because you were backstage half that time in the dark yeah right and so that's where the, the teenage male mind drifts to but okay. um you know i um i kind of stayed my course you know i played one yeah. sport in mm -hmm. high school, I played uh, golf, which okay. has become a lifelong passion. Absolutely. I, I was in the school musicals. And then, um, I knew pretty early on in high school, probably sophomore, junior year, of where I was going to go for a career after high school. Okay. And that path was going to take me down um, one of, of horticulture, which tied me into the passion for golf, uh, honestly. You know, my, my dad's dad built a golf course. Okay. One of the great things that my dad did do for us when we were young is he taught us how to play the sport. Okay. And I passed that on to our three boys and they said, look, you can play any sport you want to, but you have to learn to play golf because golf will take you through your business career for the rest mm -hmm. of your life. As long as you can swing a club, mm -hmm. business will be conducted there. And when your body and your attention span have deci decided you don't want to play baseball or lacrosse or any of these other things. Right. And guess what? Today at 22, 23, and 27, they all still play golf. So that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, golf, I wish it's something I got into because it does teach you patience too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. we need that as we get older, patience. Yeah. So you mentioned your kids. Bring me through getting older and, and finding a woman and the whole, the whole uh, relationship piece. How'd that go? Well, I've, I've been fortunate to find two wives in okay. my, in my adult life, um, you know, yep. so, um, met my first wife, um, when I was in my mid to late twenties, mm -hmm. met her at a bar, you know, all the stories and the, right. the things that go along with meeting your, your, your significant other in a bar. Right. Um, but I, I, I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. So I was never like, I wasn't a bad guy. I didn't treat her poorly, but I think, you know, looking back again, there's certain things that you, you need to be better equipped for. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, when I met her, she had a little boy who was a year and a half old. Okay. And, uh, we got married and he was three and a half. So I adopted him when we got married and then we had one together. Um, and then we were, t uh, married for about 12, 13 years. I think I forget now. Or maybe I, I blocked it out. I, I don't really know. <laughs> Might be that. Um, wasn't wasn't a bad marriage, um, right. you know. But but I did come home one day and got completely blindsided. 
And uh, my wife was self-employed. I was self-employed. She was in a, in, in a business uh, with family members. And, and you know, look, if, if you've ever been involved in family business, you know that that's not always easy. Right. And she was the only girl and then she had two brothers. Mm-hmm. So she came home or I was, I came home, she was there and she's like, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm like, did you get in a fight with the bro- your brothers again? And she's like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm wow. like, you just built the house. You want to sell it already? And she's like, no, I don't want to be married anymore. And I was like, what? Wow. Never saw it coming. Never saw it coming. And so I still remember being on my hands and knees in the bedroom, crying and begging her to not do this. Don't go through it. And what I soon realized thereafter, uh, when you have a chance to pause and step outside the relationship and the marriage and look right. inside it, right. I realized that there, there had been something missing for a long time. Okay. Just didn't realize it because you're in it, right? Absolutely. So once I realized that, um, we thought we were going to try to fix things. And then she just decided like, you know, no, she kind of made up her mind. And I'm like, okay, look, let's figure out the quickest, easiest, cheapest way to take care of this without dragging it out, without making it bad for the kids. I said, look, all I ask for is you stay here in the house that the boys know for a year Mm -hmm. to let them get acclimated to things. Absolutely. The bummer of that was she took the boys, um, for an afternoon and she told them without me and they wow. came home and they were crushed crying and you know they came running up to me and they were all upset and i'm like what did you do and she must have had her reasons for doing what she did and so i don't you know i don't really know right. um but the boys at the time were probably oh i want to say five and nine somewhere in there six and ten something right. like that mm-hmm. um so I, I went about life as as you know it, trying to navigate those waters, and um, and then after a while, when I decided, um, it it made it easier because I knew something was missing between her and I. So there right. wasn't there wasn't the heartache. Mm-hmm. The heartache was for the boys and making sure that they didn't go through what I went through. Absolutely. Um, but when I um, when I realized that I was okay with um, with dating. Like mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I needed, like I had some massive amount of, of baggage or mental damage or head trash or anything like that to get over. Right. At least I thought at the time. Okay. And, um, so I, I met an amazing woman, um, through online through uh, match.com. So it wasn't at a bar. That's right. It wasn't at a bar. Okay. It was online. There you go. Um, and that was before the they had apps, so you actually had to log on to the website. Oh wow! Okay, to find them right. <laughs> um, so we met, and super super smart lady, mm-hmm. and she had a little boy who was seven, and she um, she had a very structured routine that she would um, run anybody through that she was going to even consider dating. Okay. Because she was a single mom and she had a little boy to protect. Of and course, that was of course. Priority number one. Right. Um, so we went back and forth. We did some things through the uh, website and then a phone call. And then it was a first date to watch a movie. Um, and we we talked on the couch from like 9 till 2.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Finally started watching the movie. Uh, fell asleep. 
got up, you know, like six, six thirty, went to work. And she uh, called me again the second night and says, I don't normally do this, but you know, could I see you again? And we've been together ever since. And this year we'll be married 15 years. Congratulations, my friend. I love hearing stories like that. So love can happen the second time around, Rob. Yeah. And and it's, and I think it's, you know, um, yes, it can. And life can change and things are different, you know? So, you know, there was a, I would tell you probably the the pivotal moment through all of that for me was a, was a shift in, um, in faith. Okay. You know, right. And that was probably, that made a, a huge difference in where the second marriage went to. Tell me about that, the shift in faith, because with the, the first question I have is how much regret did you have about the first marriage, if any? And if, if you did have it, how did you overcome that regret if you have? Yeah, good questions, Drew. So um, the regret was with, that the boys had to go through that, okay, right? Because that that does have a lifelong impact mm-hmm. um, on your children. I don't care how old they are. I mean, they're right. they're twenty two and twenty seven today. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll, they'll yeah. still that has a ripple effect tied to it. Of so course. that was the regret, okay, right? Um, I'll tell you though, a funny uh, piece of that story is my wife now made me go back to my ex-wife three times, three times. She's okay. like, you need to go back and make sure that, that this is it. This is what you guys both want. She's like, I'm not going to be a homewrecker. I'm not going to be the reason that your, your kids grow up messed up because of a divorce. Okay. I had to call my ex-wife while I'm, you know, head over heels for this other woman yep. and, had, and had to have a sit down face to face with her and say, are you sure this is what you want? Is there any chance of resolving any of this? Talk about a tough. Oh, that's a tough conversation. Absolutely. You know, um, and so we we did. And, and, you know, God bless my my wife now, you know, Michelle, for having the courage to do that because Absolutely. she would have given up all of her feelings for me to help me save, you know, my, my prior marriage for the sake of the kids. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. It speaks a ton to her, her character, you know? Absolutely. Anything about yourself inward, uh, some introspection or reflection about the, the Rob of the first marriage that helped you either change a little bit to, to really be a better husband in the second. Yeah. So, so faith being the the foundation of that, okay. um, I had always believed that there was a God, mm-hmm. but as I say t- uh, today, I'm like the big guy and I just didn't talk every day. Right. right? That's, mm-hmm. that's really what it, what it surmounted to. Right. Um, so the relationship became personal um, patience. Mm-hmm. I want to tell you that I've become a, a much more patient man. Um, I was trying to run and grow a business when my kids were little and was not always the most patient um, dad because I was trying to run a company right. and build that, you know. And so, so patience, um, faith, um, understanding mm-hmm. the the um, the desire to always uh, get smarter, right. to seek wisdom, to grow personally. That's been with me my entire life. Okay, and that goes back to the days of like my mom saying, "I have no idea." Like why you are the way you are because you know where it came from right 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 um reading studying self-improvement i was never good in college didn't even finish college okay um 
but my thirst for growth in all things like leadership and marketing and sales and anything to do with business, I, I still to this day consume, you know, a ton. Um, always wanting uh, to be part of something bigger than myself. Right. Uh, and the other learning lesson I would say for me, Drew, was um, I was blessed, blessed, not blessed is the wrong one. I would say that, um, uh, and I can't call it a curse either, but I was the guy who had not one chip, but I had a chip on each shoulder. <laughs> I, I was well balanced. Yes, very and, good. Um, that's where, you know, I believe that God said to me, hey, like, we're going to knock the chip off of both shoulders. Right, right. We're going to, I'm going to bring you back down to where I want you. And then I'm going to rebuild you my way. Okay. I just had no idea it was going to take all this time. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it does. It does take time. It so, does take time. yeah. So, so taking this all in and what you're doing now, tell, tell us a little about what you, what you're doing now and how some of these things you've learned uh, uh, through your challenges and adversity in life have, have built your business and your foundation in life. Hmm. So long journey. Um, if anybody's familiar that's watching this with how a bamboo seed grows, right? So if you're not, I'll, I'll give you the quick version of that. And um, is that bamboo seeds um, grow under the soil line for up to five years. So I so I've read, mm -hmm. uh, but they still need all the nutrients and everything that any other living and growing thing needs. And at or around that fifth year they finally pop through the soil, right? Mm -hmm. And then we all know what bamboo looks like once it takes off. Mm -hmm. right. Boom, up it goes, right? right? It grows like crazy, spreads like crazy. And so, like, I feel I've been planting bamboo seeds for the last, for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, about five years ago was when they finally started to uh, break the soil line. Okay. Right? Interesting, yeah. So a lot of life lessons in, in work and in business along the way, uh, had a company, sold the company for a whopping five cents on the dollar. Mm. Talk about disheartening, <laughs> yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, but again, it was because I had these chips on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So God gives me this vision in phases. And the first one tied to family. Okay. And ironically, it was only a couple months into dating my wife now we went to an, uh, an event together and called family id started mm -hmm. by a friend of mine out of oklahoma the short version of what family id is is it's like the written version of a family crest okay i'm at a two-day event it's where god enters my life i'm watching a video of this father and son triathlete team mm. um Dick is the guy's is the dad's first name and he passed away a couple of years ago now, I think, but his son was severely handicapped and they're showing their journey mm -hmm. and I'm a mess, like emotional mess. And I learned that that was part of my wound was that anytime I see something revolving around a dad and son, mm -hmm. like it just hits the, it hits the emotional target zone. You know? um, so, so God grabs a hold of my heart there. I see very quickly the value of helping families to put into writing their unique mission statement, mm -hmm. vision statement, and ultimately their family ID. Mm. Now, if you ask any business owner today, right. say, hey, Drew, you, you run a company, you just launched a book. I'm guessing you have a mission statement and a, and a vision statement, right? Yeah, and you're like, yes. well, of course, Rob, how right. could I... 
How would I run a business otherwise? Right. Well, if you ask individuals that, families that, that are business owners right. and say, do you have the same thing for your family that you do for your business? Most people will look at you like you've got five heads and they're Absolutely. like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Well, which is more important to you, the family or the business? Everybody's going to say family, family right? right. Uh-huh. So would it not be worth your time to create that same thing for your family? In fact, I just did a, a, a workshop this past weekend for about 20 families, oh, wow. helping them to put into place their family's unique mission statement, vision statement. That's wonderful. Family okay. ID. So that was the first seed. Okay. And then uh, I got tied in with reading some stuff from a guy by the, ni- the name of John Eldridge. So mm-hmm. kind of like a spiritual, but yet adventure side of things from, right. from faith. And um, then I got stuck. Hmm. And like, where, where are we going? What's going on here? And I knew again that I wanted to always be something, part of something bigger than myself. I wanted to get into the, the leadership, the coaching, the consulting space, uh, did not want to go back to school, did not want to reinvent the wheel, but wanted to be able to offer people something of great value Mm -hmm. that if they ever wanted to just go look it up for themselves, they could go and do that. Right. So I said, who or what am I going to associate my name with? And for me, um, after the second look, uh, decided to pursue that with uh, the John Maxwell company. Okay. Okay. And I felt that John's um, vision tied really well with mine. Right. And so putting together family ID mm-hmm. and Maxwell's leadership and 30 years of business experience kind of brought things around full circle to where they are today. Okay. Absolutely. So, and then the John Eldridge stuff fits in there too, right? Sure. So I think that whether you're a spiritual person, a person of faith or not, or whatever that looks like for you, I think that all men can um, agree that we are wired for some sort of need for adventure in our heart. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Yep. And so Eldridge does a really great job of, of tying that all together. And so I knew that I really wanted to be able to provide that for for guys. Right. Absolutely. And um, so the, the idea and, and some uh, concepts kind of spun around in my head prior to COVID. Um, and I put them on hold because I had ventured into um, a, another business with some friends of mine, which is a longer story than we have time to discuss today, maybe a future episode, episode but um, it, it was a, it was a time of, two years where myself and two business partners uh, convinced Gary Vaynerchuk <laughs> to come yeah. and uh, be our keynote speaker at our event in upstate central New York. And instead of paying him cash, we helped him move a hundred thousand dollars of a new wine product he had just launched. And we bartered with him for his speaking. <laughs> fee. What a story, crazy, crazy story. But yeah. at the end of that crazy story, that was a short season of life. I decided to um, go back to the original vision, which was to start taking uh, small groups of guys. Mm-hmm. And it happens that it was during the pandemic. Right. So um, with small groups of guys to go away for a weekend and focus on business, leadership, family, adventure, 
accountability, growth, goal setting, all mm-hmm. of these things together um, from what I've seen lacking over 30 years of business and start taking a handful of guys away for these weekends right. and trying to make a um, what today is my line in the sand is a multi-generational impact for individuals through their business and, and their families. I love that approach, uh, Rob. I, I mean, I, I sometimes coin that as trying to build the whole man, right? You're encompassing every uh, as many aspects of a man's life into right. one venture, um, and and because nothing, we're not separated. There's no, you know, life tries to de- tries to compartmentalize us, you know, work, life, and all that kind of stuff. But um, you really got to integrate every aspect yeah. of your life to become the whole person you can be. Um, I could talk to you all day. I got. La- Couple, couple last questions, and then I want to find ways to promote what you do. Sure. Uh, first question is, Rob, you have an opportunity to give advice to young Rob, seven to ten year old young Rob, about life. What advice would you give him? Mm. So, to definitely, and at that age of seven to ten, that's a that's a very um, challenging age i think you know when you're when a, a little boy is molding into what's next um if 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 myself of that age were willing to listen mm-hmm. right that's that yeah. i think that's crucial willing to listen yeah. is to um be respectful okay be respectful work hard and stay humble addressing that chip on your shoulder huh <laughs> yep. love, love that rob okay now put on your entrepreneur hat and the rob now what kind of advice would you give to young entrepreneur rob about business um surround yourself with others who um, are smarter than you in areas that you are weak mm-hmm. and to save as much money as you possibly can and live below your means. I love that. I love that. And you can use your advice to each young Rob interchangeably, and it helps mm-hmm. them both in the life and in business. That's fantastic. All right. So I'm sure the, the listeners want to have more of Rob Shauger. So tell everybody uh, how we can all get in touch with you and what you're up to. So look, I think, you know, the world's full of websites and, and social media and everything else. Here, here's how I do it. I'm old school this way. I'm just going to give you my cell number. Okay. And we're just going to have a conversation. Absolutely. Right? Yep. So it's it's 315 area code 534-3557. The phone is on 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week. You're mm-hmm. never bothering me. If you've got a problem with something, what I said here today resonates with you. Um, pick up the phone call, text, email. Um, if it happens to be outside of those hours is rob at blueprintleadershipdevelopment.com. Beautiful, beautiful. I do encourage the listeners to reach out to Rob. Rob uh, is a wonderful human being. He gets life and he's willing to share his knowledge. So Rob, thank you so much for coming on, my friend. I'm grateful that you're in my life and uh, we're going to continue to work together to change the world, my friend. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for carving out some time for me to come on today and uh, to speak to the, the, the audience. Absolutely, Rob. You take care of yourself, my friend. 
Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it. If you find yourself immersed in adversity and would like to find support from other men in times of struggle, please become a member of my Men Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at drew at profitcompassion.com, expressing your interest, and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.